our paths were crossed a few times and you know all the way back from woodford and did i actually i think it was in the middle of like the heavy restrictions we ran past each other didn't we yeah, <laughs> yeah i reckon i saw you when we were running but you had a lot more hair <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. good memory yeah yeah, yeah 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 down um down near hampton i, I did recognize that it was like we're both moving moving at the same pace <laughs> i love that it's like a mutual kind of yep yeah right. that's it and then we go back into you know the woodford days where you know we didn't really know each other that well particularly because it wasn't too long before i think you moved on to your next opportunity but i want to kind of use that as a marker like when you think back and i asked this to the other guys i just talked to yesterday on the podcast you know it's been like five six years i think maybe even more for you that you've been in this game right and that's uncommon i think like nowadays the, the, the retention rate of coaches and trainers isn't that high and i wonder how have you been able to get to this point you know what do you think you've done that separated you from the coaches and trainers who haven't made it who have lost that fire or who just don't want to do it anymore or can't make it a viable lifestyle and living for themselves how did you get here mm. Um, cool, cool question. I guess I'll start. I'll start from the probably yeah, the very, very beginning, early days. So uh, my background is probably a little bit different to most people. Whereas uh, I was actually an electrician when I when I finished school. So I went and did a, a four year apprenticeship, uh, electrical apprenticeship. Worked for about twelve months and then discovered it wasn't for me. Um, thought I, I had an idea that I, I knew I, I always had a passion for teaching. It's a, to some description. Um, so I was actually going to do a teaching degree. That was my initial um, plan. Once once I quit, I went away for a little bit and then thought I was going to do teaching. Um, li lived in Thailand for a few months, taught over there, loved it. And then when I came back, was going to start my degree. At, at the same time, I was uh, really heavily into my footy, which I st still am, so I always love the game. Um, and then I was training with, with Woody at the time. And then it was just one of those kind of light bulb moments where um, I was in one of my sessions and I was training and, you know, I was like, you know, I was, I was like, I, I love teaching, but I, I don't want to teach um, English, you know, all, all these topics. So I was like, I actually, I love coaching, you know, and, and, and that my passion was in um, mainly with athlete development. And, you know, that's sort of where I've, I've moved or pro progressing into a little bit pigeonholing myself a bit more now, but you know. So then I uh, I start started my degree, um, and that that was the best thing for me too because it just um, you know it, I guess it when when you, you you realize where your passion lies for something. When for me, I hadn't I barely even read a book up until the age of about twenty four. You know, and like I said in high school, it just wasn't wasn't for me. Education was not my thing, and then. You know, it starts to reiterate the pattern when I'm, I'm reading all these articles and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to write things, which is something I've never actually done before, um, and then realise that I'd, I'd actually really had, had a love for something. And then, um, again, just with – it was things that I could always translate to myself, and then it's – like, I, I still play footy now. Um, so the, you know, the, the science behind – um, sort of the philosophies of how I could improve as an athlete or when I actually started becoming a coach, um, how I could improve my players and, and see them improve their performance. 
uh, I started, started getting a, a, a real kick out of it. And, you know, and that's um, even to now, like that, that's where I get my biggest enjoyment. And I sometimes think, I'm like, well, it's, it's sort of strange like that I get more enjoyment out of almost helping other people. And now like the kids that are coming and, and train in the, in the NAB kids, like for me, them get improving their performance and, um, and, and seeing results, making it into the AFL is, is, is more of an achievement for me than something I feel like that, that I get for myself. So um, it's, I think it's something that um, is, is just it, a, a passion will drive you a- anyway. And I think it's sometimes, I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of people will jump into it early you know, and they think probably they finish school and, you know, maybe coaches go out and, and, and they try different things and then eventually it's, you know, they kind of realise it's it's not for them. And that was like what was with me with the trade world. Like I knew I wanted to do something hands-on. Um, you know, I, I, I love sort of constructing things um, and, and that, that's kind of when, it, you know, it took me five years, but longer, you know, I was 24. So it took me six years out of school, um, to realise that it, that it wasn't for me. And then l- luckily for me, I, I took the plunge and I quit my job and, and went somewhere else. But um, I, you know, I, I think it just, just takes time and naturally people are going to realise, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's not for everyone. But if, if you've got a passion for something, you'll, you'll, you'll have a drive for it. You know, it's, it's not something you've got you to work to. It's just, it's just there. So how do you think – is it the passion – like – is that, is that it? Is it just the passion alone that's kept you going for all these years to become even now, you know, the co-owner of a, what looks like a pretty successful, effective gym? Or is there, are there other characteristics and other qualities and values that you think have separated you to keep you in this industry for this long? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I guess, again, I'll go back to the trade thing. Like, Doing long hours, getting up early, um, going through an apprenticeship where, for the first probably couple of years of my life, I was well, a couple of years of my apprenticeship of crawling through roofs and just doing real sh- shitty jobs, you know, and, and hating it. You kind of realise when you get out and you start doing things that you love that the things that are hard aren't really that hard, you know. And any, even now, like a lot of the backlog that I'll have to do and admin stuff that. I absolutely dread. I've kind of got that in the back of my mind now that I'm like, shit, it's, it's, it's nowhere near as bad as digging a hole for eight hours. And, and I've been there before. I've, I've done my time, you know. So I guess it's that, you know, that, uh, developing that work ethic. And like I said, when you when you have the drive, like that, that's what you want. And I guess for, for myself and Joss as my, my business partner, like, you know, we're, and that's probably the other thing that's, that works really well for me is I've, I'm in business with someone that I'm really good friends with and um, we, we share the same passion. Our drive is for us to become or, or, or to, to be the best facility that there is um, and, and that's what keeps driving us, you know, and it's, it's easy to have uh, when, when I've got him there, you know, we, we, we bounce off each other and, and, and keep each other driven the whole time. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's it. Just ha- having that end goal of, of 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 making sure that you know you you're striving past medi- mediocrity. It's not just we we just don't we don't want to be a place to just go through the motions. Like my athletes when they come in here, I, I want them to be the best the, the the best in the business. I want them to go into the system and, and play straight away. You know, every everyone that comes into our building, we we've, we've got the mantra that particularly with our strength and conditioning classes, um, that that no one ever gets injured. 
you know, that they're in there to actually better people and that's what we put the time in um, to, to make sure that that always happens. I think that's, that's really important. You said one of the goals for you guys is to have the best facility. What is, what is the best facility not only look like but behave like for you? Well, I mean, for us, we've, we've set up, um, you know, some, some values that we work towards. So you know, for us, we, we kind of utilise those values um, and, and work off them um, to kind of give us a background of or, or give, give us a base of what we want to work through. Like, like I said, for me, um, I, I'm mainly working within the athlete development now. So it's maybe not even making sure that we have the best athletes, but at least providing kids when they come in with an opportunity to, to become the best athlete, you know, and then, and, and, and at least um, educate them enough to, to have that opportunity. Like I said, it's, and it's, you know, it's not about people coming here and, and, um, and seeing results immediately from us, but it's about um, understanding what we're about as a brand, what our culture is like, um, in enjoying their training and then again empowering them giving them the opportunity to change their lives and create create the, their, their goals or, um, or, or or get 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 to where they want to be okay now how do you go when you guys you know working with your clients working with your athletes do you have a assist like what is the system you go from like point a because I think a lot of coaches they want to own a gym a lot of trainers you know they they don't have systems in place from point a to you know point z where their athletes now playing pro sport or their client has you've solved their, their problem how do you think about that process from point a to point z and you know how has that changed over the years yeah so i mean i, I think like uh adaptation and auto regulation are two really big things yeah. um that uh, as a coach, I believe you've just got to be ready for like, you know, and I'll, I'll just use my athletes as an, as an example. So, you know, footy season, whatever it might end at, at, at October, I've got someone in, they say to me, right, yo, you know, I, I want to get, I want to get faster. I want to be more powerful and be ready for, for next season, which is, you know, at end of March, April. So, you know, I'll, I'll sit down with them. We'll, we'll sort of go over maybe where they're at currently in terms of what they might be looking at with certain numbers for testing of different things. Some people come through a blank canvas it's, or they're coming with previous injuries. So um, not necessarily a timeline, but for me, it's just to actually get them um, in, into an injury pre, or free position uh, and, then, and then improve their performance. But, you know, I, I might say, well, well, we'll block out what an ideal six months might look like in terms of, you know, we might have a certain block of be hypertrophy um, and then all things going well, we can go a little bit more into strength and power uh, and obviously depending on the specific area that they need to, to work on, then we can start to um, isolate things or, or, you know, focus on different things um, within their program while still maintaining the foundations that we've created. But uh, as we all know, there's just so much that happens in, in people's lives that, that, that it never works out that way, you know, and, it, and it's never it, it's never perfect. You know, we got you got kids that are going through year twelve constantly, so we're battling. Um, you know, got guys and girls that are studying all the time. They're out playing different sports, so it's not like where you've got someone that might just be an AFL player. Like the kids are playing cricket, they might have school athletics that factor in. 
um, you know, that they're, they're going out and socializing. So it's, uh, or, or they go away on holidays. So what, what, you know, what you might have, I think it's important to, you know, obviously have an ideal structure of, of what, if everything goes perfect, this is how we get from A to Z, you know, and we're prepared for the season, prepared for a testing date, say, um, to look at numbers. But, you know, like I said, the, the most important thing is that you've got to be ready to, um, to, to, to tackle the hurdle. Sometimes you've got to go backwards. You've got to, you've got to adjust. You've got to, you've got to adapt to the person. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what you learn as a coach very quick. Or is it like there is so much chaos that can go on in someone's lives? And, you know, I hear when you prescribe a program, it almost always you are changing something. Yeah. Even, you, on the, even in the session. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The day. like we're going to yeah, do this. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, you got, you didn't sleep that well last night and you're stressed. And uh, maybe I'm not going to do as much volume. So we drop it back a little bit. Um, there's so many examples of that, but yeah. you, I meant I heard you mention testing. Did you guys have a testing protocol for your athletes and clients? Uh, testing is in like a testing. So we'll, we'll generally set up um, testing days with with our guys um, closer to when they'll go into their NAB testing. Yeah. So in an ideal world, like obviously last year was. Um, yeah, a little bit all over the joint with um, where everyone was at with COVID and stuff. But generally what I'll try and do is with my, with my athletes, um, we'll get them in at the end of the season and I'll try and get, or get them all in. So at least we've got some sort of, um, yeah, some sort of reference to work off. And when I talk about testing, I'm talking about what they would actually be tested for um, in, in their uh, NAB testing. So, you know, that's their 20 metre, um, their 2K vertical jumps, uh, we don't necessarily look at actual strengths as numbers. You know, we, we track all our data through team order. Um, so we've got, always got an idea and um, uh, num numbers to work off in terms of what we can use for a reference. But again, I find it's, you know, you know we've got rough, rough numbers. So I'll say to my guys, look, in an ideal world, we might be looking for, a, you know, a, a, a back squat, uh, trap bar deadlift of, you know, up to – what 1.5, 1.7 times your body weight. But for me, I've, I've kind of turned away or shied away from that a little bit now. And I just sort of consider that, um, you know, again, depending on the factors of, of what guys need to actually work on, even having big numbers through these, um, through the bigger lifts really means jack shit. If, if, if they can't, if they can't move laterally, um, you know, if they can't balance on one leg, if they haven't got the mobility to get down. So, again, my my philosophy is now on performance, solely performance. So the numbers are fantastic. You know, if we're putting up numbers in the gym, it's great. But the key thing for me is that I get my guys moving well and the key thing is that they're playing well. So if they're getting are playing well, it doesn't matter if they're lifting one times their body weight, um, but as long as they're on the, on the park and they're, and they're doing the right thing, that that's what I'm looking at. In terms of... With our actual members, you know, it, it's it's a similar thing. Like we look at at individualizing it completely. So, you know, we've got it's you, you know, are you a trading? Are you a are you a desk 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 job worker? Um, our job for you is is to be able to function in your life uh, pain free. You know, and that's 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 the number one priority. Whether your goal is to to lose fat, put put on muscle, whatever it is. Um, everyone's going to be happier if, if, if they're not in pain and they're, they're going to function better. Absolutely. And 
Okay. So you, I know you guys got your gem pop clients and you have your athletes. You guys are a hybrid type of facility. And then you mentioned a couple key things about like athlete development. Instead of your priorities being like big bilateral max effort lifts, right, of relative strength, you said a couple things that I think people might have missed. Balance on one leg, so unilateral training, and change direction or laterally move um, and react to a stimulus. Do you think, there's a couple ways to go, but when you work with an athlete, are, are those some of your bigger priorities or what are like the big keystone priorities for you to prepare them? So it's, I, I look at a really holistic approach. And again, um, I, I'm massive on being really slow in terms of uh, a, a progressive overload. So for me, I look at my guys at, and again, it's my, my job as a coach is to make sure that when they go out into the field, that, that they're able to produce the, to, to, or able to play to the, to, to the best of their ability. Yeah. It's not, it's not what's done in here. So, I could, movement is number one for me. So again, they need to have optimal range of motion. I need them to be able to get down to the floor, um, to change direction, but still be able to actually create stiffness and gain stability in those positions. And again, it will just change from person to person. So, I mean, look at it again. It's, I, I'll kind of work in, in different blocks when I get guys coming in first, it's about understanding proper recruitment patterns particularly, you know, for, through the glute areas, understanding hip extension, external rotation, abduction, making sure that we're aware of the, the key muscles that actually control those movements or the key ones that I want them to be able to utilise um, that I, I believe that's, that's worked really well for me as, as a coach um, that, that will make them better, uh, better athletes. And then once we've developed that, that sort of, um, I guess, foundation of stability, foundation of strength, then I'll start to move towards actually going a bit faster. So we'll start to do movements quicker. Uh, and then the last thing is, for, for me is load. You know, and I always say that it's a bonus. You know, if we can move right and get the muscle recruitment be better, um, when they're out on the field, they're only fighting gravity. That, that's it realistically when they're moving. So that's number one. For as long as we can get those patterns right, that, that's what we're after. Then number two, if we do it quickly, you know, that, that, that's what we want as, as, as our next priority. Num number three, um, you know, is that we start getting the load in, but we've got to have number one and two in place first um, before before we start worrying about the load. So to answer, again, the next phase then for movement um, is actually transferring basic movement patterns and understanding the muscle recruitment patterns into more advanced movements. So that's when I'll start looking at acceleration, deceleration patterns, uh, how my guys change the direction. I do a lot of actual defensive lateral drills. Um, and, and then, you know, then I'll start gra gra gradually bits and pieces start to integrate into variations of Olympic lifting and, and some heavier stuff. But um, yeah, always moving first. When you have a client or athlete, I don't know, I'm sure you've had them, like the clients are athletes that, you know, they want to just lift heavy. They just want to lift heavy like quick, right? And they want to get to the that place faster how do you communicate to them and i know you kind of just 
maybe you say exactly what you just said to me, but how do you communicate to them on their level? Like, hold on, we need to, we need to earn load, the earn the right to lift load. And how do you get on their level and be like, this is a patient, like seriously multi-year process. Mm, it's, fu it's funny. So I, I mean, obviously again, I just try to educate my guys as much as I can. So even everything that I'm saying on here is, is, is probably just a carbon copy of what, what I've almost repeated to my athletes. Yeah, Continuously when people come in, I, I try to explain it to them that, it's your performance is, is the number one most important thing. The, the weight on the bar is not, is not going to make you a better athlete. You know, it's a holistic approach to everything. And um, I, I guess it's, um, it's, it's sort of, it's almost finding ways and it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but, you know, the mentality of a general population is, is a lot of revolved again around soreness. Mm. You know, so and and having to work really hard, yeah. you know, and going off. Oh, I don't feel like I worked out this, you know, come out of the session and um, I can't walk tomorrow. It's it's you know, it's not going to be better for my performance because I haven't really worked hard. And and that's um, unfortunately that's that's just the mentality that a lot of guys have. So I'll I'll try to find ways that you know, and I'll say to them, I'll say, look, if if you trust me, if in this way you're coming here, you're gonna you're gonna utilize my philosophies because you know that it's worked. Um, with the previous guys that I've that I've had in here, you're going to trust me. And then, if it doesn't work, if your performance performance hasn't improved after four weeks, then then come back to me. You can tell me that something's wrong. And, and and very rarely that happens. If you stay true to true to your philosophies and, and you've got and you utilize good methods that you know work, um, it, it's it's always it's always going to work for you. And then, you know, even at the start of the sessions, like I said, the, the three main ones for me now over everything again is is, is getting glute max. Uh, glute, glute medius, glute minus in uh, extension, external rotation and abduction. And generally, 99% of our population don't actually understand how to recruit those muscles properly and, and, and utilise those movements um, efficiently. So what you find is, like, I'll get guys in um, and, again, I know that, um, you know, that they're, they're going to do 10 bridges a double leg bridge, for example, really basic movement pattern. Someone that, that doesn't really understand how to increase their muscle recruitment will probably just go from their back, push push their hips up 10 times, um, and then they'll be like, I can't really feel anything. You know, it's it's, it's not really that, you know, there's there's no burn, there's nothing there. So what I'll get to do is that rather than putting on load, I'll, I'll stuff around with their tempos a little bit, you know, and, and then I'll kind of get – it's a little bit psychological, you know. I'll get in their brain, they'll be like, oh, but, you know, I, I could usually – um, hip thrust six, 60 kilos and like okay no worries let's do this let's rather than do you do your, your hip thrust for 60 kilos I'm going to get you doing a hip thrust with body weight I'm just going to put a band um, just below your knee we're going to do that for 10 for 10 reps you hold a three seconds at the top pushing the, your knees out against the band and on the 10th rep I'll push down against your hips and I want you to try and stay there for 10 and then every single time they'll be sit down and go holy shit yeah. my ass is actually on fire yeah. that's killing you know and then I'll say well there you go you don't need 60 kilos on the bar because for, for one, you, and, and nine times out of 10, again, they move like shit anyway when they come in. So you go, you, you, you're not really moving that well. So there's, you know, we just kind of dropped the ego a little bit. Um, and you, you, you didn't need weight. I just pushed against you. Your hips down, you got a band around your knee, uh, and you're burning 10 times as much through your glute as what you did when you had the weight on. You know, and then it's, it's, and that, and that's it. That's, you just slowly start to change your mindset. And then, like I said, yeah, that's it. And then, and then in a couple of weeks, they start to go, holy, oh, you know, I go, well, you've been doing your glute stuff. Yeah, you've been doing your, your activation before training. How's your running feeling? 
and, and, and again, you know it works. They come in and go, it's, it's amazing. I'm feeling great. I'm moving around. You know, it's, I'm, I'm finally using my ass. I'm, I'm, I'm quicker already. Everything's going good. And then, that's, then, then they trust the system. Uh, and, 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 and I mean, that's, that's just what's worked for me. You mentioned so you got the you got the glute bridge. I think a lot of coaches that have these kind of like big key indicator movements that they really are quite effective for them to teach and to coach and to get results. You mentioned the glute bridge one for the joint actions you were talking about: external rotation, abduction, and hip extension. Obviously, those are very key. How? What other movements are your kind of go tos that are like very universal, big bang for buck that you like applying for those joint actions? Yeah, cool. So, I, I know I've, I've got to um, make sure I give this guy the credit here because I can't take any of this. So, I, we, I used to do um, the d- double leg bridge while realistically for all three with the band. Yeah. Um, then uh, I, I used to just do a, a, a normal clam. So, with, with resistance, I've now changed that to a, what's called a lock clam. So when recently and did um, attended a seminar by uh, Dr. Andrew Locke. Mm. Have you heard of him before? Yeah. But um, it's really really fascinating. Did a glute glute workshop with him, and um, you know his his philosophies around around the glutes and the hips and, and and back pain in particular were really really fascinating. And he developed this movement pattern uh, or, or or a movement that's uh, it's similar to a clam, but you actually your bottom leg is straight. Yeah. And the top leg is is only flexed ever so slightly. So basically, your foot is just hooked over, um, just just around the shin area, and then he faces the body closer towards the floor. So it really, what what a try does is is really isolate the glute med, the anterior and posterior parts. So you use no hip flexor, whereas in a normal a normal clam when we've got the knees bent and using the band, the, we're, we're locked in hip flexion. So there still is some some form of, of, of contraction there as, as, as we're flexing the hip. Um, and it isolates a lot more. I've been using that exercise, which has been a massive game changer for our guys here, absolutely huge. Um, and then I've been using a, a, a similar abduction exercise, which, um, which well, I'm not going to say we stole because he gave it to us to, <laughs> to, to use, but... Um, but basically, again, it's, a, it's about really trying to make sure, ensure that you can isolate the, the glute um, without getting any hip flex or, or, or recruitment through the back. So, but like a normal abduction to, to start with, it just be on your side again with the legs straight, um, squeezing the glute, and then just slowly lifting the heel up, up and down, and just ensuring that there's no hip movement. Mm. And then for some people, and it's like I, I've been training, you know, now for well, consistently for 12 years. Um, and I found that doing that abduction movement, I'd, I'd still get a lot through my hip. So I moved to a prone abduction where I just moved like set. So you, I, I laid flat, flat on my face. Now just on the floor. Yep. Just put my hands underneath my pelvis, squeeze my ass so my pelvis was, was locked into my hands. Yep. And then I just ab- abducted the, 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 the heel. So and then, yeah, pushed it away and... Um, you know, I, I work up now to up, upwards around 30 reps. So just to increase the rep range a little bit. And they're the two, so they're the they're three, basic three. And that's he, he calls it, he's got a big five. So he adds in another couple exercises into his routine that he almost gives everyone gen pop. But um, I use those three and then we, we do a bit more TBA stuff, so a little bit more breathing and um, some some a, a little bit more through um, – through the shoulders as well. But in terms of those three movement patterns, 
really, really basic. And then, you know, the, the philosophy again, which I've adapted from Andrew is, um, and, again, you, you don't progress until there's real isolation or, or until that's predominantly the muscle that's working. So, you know, particularly with the abduction, a, a lot of people won't be able to even do a side plank without, you know, get re- recruiting a little bit too much through the QL or um, not being able to actually feel their glute locking up to stabilise themselves to resisting um, the, the hips going towards the ground. So, you know, we, we basically just keep working up on those progressions. That's really practical. That's that's great. Thank you, Corey. But I want to... No I want to shift. You know, you've been a business owner for Pulsate for I don't know, how many years? Uh, so we've, we've been established for four. Uh, and then when I came across, um, I was just a, just a sole trader. So I was just, a, yeah, just a, an S&C coach um, for about my first four months yeah. and until, um, yeah, the boys were kind enough to, um, yeah, let, let me buy in. And then the rest is history, yeah. When you look back, you all look back over those years, I think the kind of the a lot of the carrot stick that's held in front of a lot of exercise science students, PTs, coaches, one is pro sport, play the uh, coach of the elite sector, number two is own and gym, right? In all those years that you've been co-owning and being a part of that, when you reflect back, what are the actually What's been the hardest lesson to learn? Like, yeah, what's been the, one of the hardest lessons you've learned owning and running Pulsate? Oh, time management. <laughs> For you or staff or everything? No, no, no. My staff are unbelievable. No, they're, they're great. It's um, for me, definitely for me. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's probably, in, you know, you don't realize it until you're burnt, but... You know, it's, it takes – and, again, that comes with the passion of things. Like, my first year was fantastic. I had a lot of drive and kept going. Um, and then moved into my second year. We bought another well, – one. didn't buy, but, we, you know, we signed a lease for another building, um, which was another whole overhead of building, managing my, my current business and then my clients on top of that, um, which adds another thing. And then all of a sudden – and I was still playing footy at the time, so – you know, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm not doing a lot of a lot of rest time. You know, and then a lot of time the phone's going off continuously. You just can't. You know, naturally, you, your uh, your drive to, to to be the best and continue to build a business. You know, that the hunger forces you to keep going. Now that that was probably a, a big problem for me because it wasn't until I got to the stage where, um, you know, I, I was just tired all the time. You know, I, I get home, I'd, I'd be, as soon as my head hit the pillow, I'm out. You know, but then it would be back and I'd be working again. And um, it's, it wasn't until, you know, now, and it, I guess it, it does take time to, to develop systems. But, you know, there was a stage where, you know, I'm doing PT from five in the morning till 10, going home for a couple of hours, coming back, training myself, and then doing it from four to eight. And then on the top of that, I'm trying to run a business. So I'm managing people in the meantime. Uh, I'm, I'm cleaning, you know, we haven't got money to pay for cleaners and um, to do the electrical work, you know, and, and all these things. So I'm, so I'm doing that. And then it, it was, you know, it gets to a stage where it's, it, it's, it's not practical. So it's, you know, like I, I, I realized that, you know, and I, and I, and I thought, okay, we've got to start to, um, to develop better systems where, uh, you know, I, I can develop a, a business where, and then this is our mantra now, that if myself and Josh were to go away for a month, 
say I, I know the business could run smoothly without me even picking up my phone to an extent, you know, and, and, and that's what I think we've done. And it's it's a matter of, um, you know, set, setting right times. So I don't work three mornings um, out of out of seven days now or Sunday I have off, but, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I have the morning off, which gives me time to sleep, which gives me my drive for the afternoon. I've got skilled staff now that I've, I've taken the time to, to skill. We've, we've skilled together, but that means that the expectation that I set and the standard that I set um, within my classes or our, our classes when we're here, um, that, you, you know, we're all on the same page. So, again, when people come in, we're teaching their Pulsate methods. You know, you don't come in and, yes, you might have a different coach who has a slightly different approach to things, which we love as well. We want people to still um, have their own sort of um, style as such. But the end goal is always the same, you know, and, and the protocols that we use are very, very similar. And, 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 and that's the same we, with the, the staff that I've got now. We, we upskill once a week. We have meetings. So... One of the big things for myself was, and it's it's hard within this industry, is that uh, you know a, a lot of PTs are, are subcontractors, right? And you get to big chain gyms and stuff, and you know they come in, they pay their rent, they do their hours, and they go home. And there's some sort of communication in between. You know, they might be friends with a couple of people there. Where we're we're not about that, and 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 we base our we're very much community based, and that's how we try to maintain our staff too. You know, and, and we say it's not, yes, you know, they, they come in and um, they do their own PTs or whatever, but we, we all work together. We're a team. It's not somewhere where someone comes on, does their PT and goes home. Um, you know, we hang out together. We do social events together. Like I said, we skill together. We train together. So all these different little elements that means that instead of, you know, these guys coming and going, filling in for a class here and there when we need time, um, we're sharing the load right, right across the board. And, and, you know, Joss and myself, will, we oversee that. And obviously we run a really big part of that. But um, the, the other, the other tw- you know, 10, 12 staff that, that we've got here, they, they drive it for us. What do you, you said systems, and I want to talk about the culture you have as well, but what are the systems that you guys have put in place, the systems and habits that you've established that allows you the confidence to, if you wanted to disappear for a month, you can um, okay, so well, we and this is a, a, a big thing for us um, in, in COVID. We came up with well, this is sort of when the, the skilling started. So I decided I was like, look, I know it's a hard time because the coaches that we have um, are, are not going to be working like they were, and I, I wanted to provide them with at least an opportunity to, to keep some sort of normality. Uh, and, and again, keep the passion, keep the drive for when they come back to work, and which is a really hard thing. So, so we developed um, five, uh, sort sort of five key philosophies that um, that that we will always refer to, and it was, it was community, uh, teamwork, commitment, integrity, and passion. And we, we came up with them as a group. So I said to the staff, I said, I want you to think about what Pulsate means to you and for, for our members, what, what it is. Mm. I want you to say, give me three words. Uh, and then from the three words that everyone gave us, we kind of mixed, mixed and matched um, and, and, and pigeoned them into, into those five philosophies. And then we use them as a reference. So like I said, for us, I mean, it's probably the biggest thing for Pulsate. And if you ask any member that, that comes in the door here, um, the community is the biggest thing. And, and, and that's our driver. So when, when people walk in the door, that they feel at home. 
you know, they, they, they get welcomed. Someone doesn't come in, they don't, they don't know what's going on. Every, every, every trainer knows every client's name. You know, so you come in, you go into a class, they, they know the client. We, we keep spreadsheets of our clients, their injury histories, where they're at in their progressions, their goals, and we communicate with them. Now, and that, that's one thing. So, and, and then we break it up into groups. So with our group training, um, so ba- basically, you should probably mentioned this earlier, but our group training is so is obviously strength and conditioning is one component. We do hit classes, uh, what's called strength fit, which we've kind of developed as a bit of a hybrid um, of like a sort of lighter version of a CrossFit style group training. Um, we do boxing, and then we've now introduced Pilates. And what we do is we have a head of each of those sections. Um, and, and we basically have guidelines as to how each of those classes should be structured. And that's from start to finish. So like I said, it's not just when you go in a hit class, uh, these are your work rest ratios. These we're going to focus on in terms of your timing. And um, this is, you know, but whatever it's um, you, you meet and greet people at the door. We've got a booking system. You know, who's coming in before, you know, if, if someone's got a history um, of, of, of back problems uh, and, and they're coming in, they're still dealing with that. We're, we're not going to get them doing kettlebell swings, you know, in a group of in a group of twenty. We're, we're going to pick the we're going to look at the risk reward and, and 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 pick a simple exercise, and we're prepared for that. You know, we go through and um, and, and 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 the same. The the place is set up, the structure's there. It's clean when they leave, um, and 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 the communication. So again, we know the next day, we, you know, and between our S and C, this is, the, you know, the biggest, it doesn't happen so much in the other classes. Um, but, you know, we've got a goal. We message five members a week and we've got the list and, and we go through and we pick and we say, you know, tell us how, you, how your program's going. How's, how's the structure and everything? How are you feeling? Uh, and then again, we use, the, we use Team Builder. I don't know if you've used, yeah, if we've used that before, but again, that tracks all our data. We've got wellness reports um, that we run through that. We look at everyone's numbers. Uh, and, and again, we just make sure that, 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 we've, that we maintain that care, care and compassion for, for everyone that comes in here. All right. This, so it seems like you guys have this, it's not one, it's, but it's like the holistic approach to having a multitude of systems that really creates this well-oiled machine that is now functioning, right? Yeah, well, it is. And then, like I said, it's that, that one of my biggest things was when I came in because, um, you know, I, I'd never came from a rent-based based gym. And like I said, I had, had no, no history within the industry. Yeah. So, you know, when I first started, that was, that was not exactly the mantra, but, you know, that was sort of the thing. It was like, all right, cool. Let's, let, you know, a good way to make money is to get as many trainers as we can in here, get them paying $350 rent, um, you know, that, that pays for the building. Everything's great. They, they do their PTs. We get people as members. Fantastic. And, you know, as, as, as we started to progress, I thought this, this is not what I want. There's no culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not – there's no brand there. Like what – and, and I, I want to work with people. I want to make my, my job enjoyable. I want my clients to feel, feel welcome. And I want to make sure that, uh, again, when people come in here, they, they're getting better. And I know – you know, I, I believe I've developed, well, we, we've developed as, as head trainers really good philosophies and systems that we've taken slightly from other coaches, um, you know, like your, your McGill's, Mike Boyle's, these guys, um, and, our, you know, I constructed, we've constructed um, programs and, um, and, and classes 
around these guys' philosophies that work. And I thought, well, everyone needs to be doing this. And, and if this is my business, um, and, you know, Joss and I spoke about this, if this is our business, that, you know, we, the standard's got to be the top across the board. So these little things have, have got to be done. And, yes, it's more hours out of my day, but it makes my life a hell of a lot easier when, um, uh, I, like I said, I, I know that if I gave a new client to one of my one of the guys and one of the girls to take them, that they know the lifts I'm giving them. They know the cues that I'll be using and, um, and, and the output that I'm looking for. I know you said time management before is like one of the bigger things that you were like struggling with or that you've, you know, made mistakes on. Is there, what's the system that you've put in place now that you're really thankful for with time management? Maybe you've already mentioned it, but I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, look, it's still working on it, to be honest. Yeah. It's not fantastic. <laughs> There's still, still a lot of work hours going in, but no, I just, I, I just make sure that um, I, my number one, I mean, like I said, I'm in an easier position now to dictate it because I know that I've got people that I can trust yeah. um, and, and, and can take take care of the business while I'm not here. But now I've got that, you know, when at the start of this year I said, okay, I'm going to play one more year of footy. These hours are set for me. I'm going to train. These, this is my time. The time that I missed that I used to, you know, say, okay, oh, I'm going to train at some stage today doing do my strength. Um, all of a sudden, I get stuck doing emails and phone calls. Then my clients come up. So all of a sudden, it's 9 o'clock at night. I'm cooked, and I don't do it. I push it to the next day, and then I feel shit. And I go, okay, that's not that's not happening. So I set my times. Now, that's number one. I, I'm number one for starters, so I go to an extent. Now, I say, okay, these little things that I love doing have, have got to be in there at some stage, and I lock them in. Is this a calendar? What do you use? Yeah, in a calendar. Yeah, I just use um, – very, very basic, mate. I just use the Outlook. <laughs> Whatever works. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just use the Outlook. I mean, it's good because it gives me reminders. It's easy for me to use. I'm the furthest from being tech savvy that you could ever imagine. So um, ba basic is better for me. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just block out hours. So rather than thinking I have to fit, you know, I have to fit my clients in and it's got to work, I, I, I pick hours. So I say, okay, for my coaching window, I've, I've got from three, three to seven, you know, and my classes fit in that too uh, of, of an afternoon. Mondays and Fridays, I do the morning. So if my clients want to come in, they go in between my classes. I've got a window of seven and eight, you know, and, and that's where I look at it. And then I'm starting to push now for more um, of my experience, guys, into a little bit more of a semi-private model. So, you know, initially I was really big on just one-on-one -on -one training and that's probably something else I've adapted a little bit more in the last, or prob probably to this from the start of this year, is um, giving my guys and, and, and girls a little bit more of a sense of empowerment, and and getting them to understand that that they don't need me all the time. You know, if I'm doing my job as a coach, right, and um, you know, and, and they've got that experience, they know what feels right. They've got to be able to go off and do it on their own. You know, so now it, it, it frees me up hours, and, and I fit them into the slot. So we've got guys on similar programs. Um, you know, I'll, I'll chuck them in in the same hour and I can just oversee them as, as, as I go as opposed to just thinking, shit, I've got 40 guys. I, I've got to fit them in all week. So I'm working fucking four till nine o'clock. Someone messages me and pulls out. So I make the effort to fit them in the next day. Uh, that, that's where the burnout comes. And, then, and, you know, for me, you notice that you do stuff like that. Not only are you burning yourself out, but your coaching quality gets less too. 
you know, so you're you, you come in and you you want to give the best to your, to your clients, to your athletes. That's that's what you're there for, and you can't provide that because your head's not there. Right. You, you're cooked. Yeah, man. And it's it's kind of it's a lesson that you you often have to learn just by pushing the boundaries, right? You have to like really get to an extreme level of imbalance to really find what the hell balance even means to you, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. And like I said, sometimes, unfortunately for me, it took me to get to the stage of burnout to get there. But I think that's the same as everyone. You know, you don't know, you don't know what your threshold is until you until you push yes, it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But you know what? It, I have heard this story time and time again. Like this story of like coaches and and it just professionals in general. Any ambitious business orientated person is that they worked really hard pushed the boundaries hard, went too far, found where, the like you said, the threshold was. But I think it's good because now for, you know, all the people out there, I think they can learn from that because you don't always need to make all the mistakes yourself, right? You can learn from others too. Yeah, 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 for sure. And that's just said. It's, I mean, for me, I did everything off, well, we, we did everything off our own bat, you know, and we just solely weren't, from our mistakes, but that's it. You know, if we had just taken the time probably to, you know, maybe to look at systems, yeah. see how the people worked and, you know, what you did to an extent, but yeah, like, like you said, it doesn't have to be, um, you, you know, you can think things can work, work, work to an extent all the time too. Does, when you look back, maybe that's something you regret. I don't know. Do you have like regrets within your career? You go back and you're like, man, I wish I did that differently. Business, career, Maybe even personal. Like, do you have any of that? Um, well, de definitely not regrets because it's you. Uh, and I'm a big believer on this. You'd never get to where you would if, if if you didn't have those things. And I'll use again, like my career as an electrician for an example. Like, uh, you know, sometimes I think I'm like, oh shit. Well, when I was doing my degree, actually, now and I'm slaving and trying to st still build the building, and I'm here and I'm going, fuck. If only I just had a guy in a uni when I was. When I was 18, you know, I would have been done. Yeah. Imagine how much of a better coach I would have been for all the hours I would have done and, and where I would have been now. But I think, again, the fundamental of, the, of my hard work that, that I put in, um, probably a lot of how my people management skills, um, again, even, even staff management, you know, I learned from, from a great business owner that, that I worked for um, that taught me a lot of those skills that I never would have got otherwise. And which probably like when we talk about people entering in and out of the system, I think I think it's a big issue still is that people actually haven't gone out into the workforce um, and 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 had any sort of life experience mm. before they get out, and that's where it becomes too hard. You know that they don't know um, how to what 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 the go is with financials. They don't know um, you know how to deal with clients and these sort of things. It's um, you know that they're all important life skills that are going to be learned. So, um, no regrets. Obviously, there's things that you definitely do differently. And even with coaching, you know, you think there's this shit that I would not even dream of doing now that I did when I started. Like what? You know, with guys. Uh, you know, just um, well, I, I guess even the variation of the clan now. You know, like I think, like people with bad backs and or, or, or things like that. I don't even do it, and it's and it's fixed like that. And I think, wow, what an easy thing I could have, you know, done that. At, you know, if, if that hadn't been there, would have would have fixed a lot of issues. Um, trying to think, there's nothing. I mean, look, 
Look, the fundamentals around what I've used with glute stuff has always been pretty big from back when my Woodford days. Mm. Anyway, so it's not a, a heap that's that's changed from that. Um, so, yeah, not, not heaps to do probably more coaching-wise, but, I mean, business I was never experienced in. So, um, like I said, the, the mistakes you learn from it are actually good for you because they stick in your memory, you know, and they're there. So the real bad ones, even though they're shit at the time, you always get thrown, and then and then when you do, they're always there because you you know if it's whether it's dealing with oh, rent negotiations or di- different things like that, you go you know the next time this comes around, there's no yeah. way I'm forgetting forgetting that because because yeah. it's there. That's it. That's it. So it, a lot of do you have any advice like for the personal trainers who are only who run their own business and want to start their own business as well in an actual, you know, brick and mortar. Like, they're starting out. What do you tell them that you wish you Oh, had? what do I tell them? Okay, so my best best advice for me was, num- number one, I think I, I think a degree is important. Um, and I think for me, so I did mine in, in sport and exercise science and I learned a lot, learned most of the, well, I'd say over 50% of, of what I actually utilize and my philosophies of coaching have come from uh, internships and workshops that I use, but um, the foundation of, of hard work and understanding um, of research and different things came from my degree. And I think it was, that was really important for me. My tip for my business, for my writing skills, like I said, I hadn't even read a book until I was 24. So for me to develop that stuff, I, I think it's got a really, really good transference um, to, to everything in life. So let's say if, if you if you're keen, it's it's not just doing doing just a course. I think I think a degree is important. Um, I think uh, coaching hours and under not, not not like obviously everyone needs a base of money to work off, but don't revolve your model and what how you're going to um, drive your business around money. Because for me, when when I you know when I was interning and uh, and and started working, I was getting people in the door, and I believe I you know I, I worked really really hard, and I you know I was charging maybe 20, 20 bucks a session, and so, sometimes I started off with these guys are my friends, and a lot of the time I was coming in watching coaches um, for free, you know, and, and I did this for hours and hours and hours and hours, and then I think a lot of people now expect to come in, they think oh well. You know, it's, I'm going to charge someone or whatever, 60, 80 bucks, whatever it is, um, a, a session, and they struggle to get the load of hours. I think the coaching hours is so important because, again, that's where you're going to make the mistakes, but it's where you're going to build off and actually understand um, what works, what doesn't, different body types, how to cue things for different people, you know, what, um, what to actually take from it. So from... From a, a, a business perspective, I would say um, understand that you're going to need a really good team. You can't do anything on your own, even no matter how how hard you think you can work and what, what you want. It's it's I, I I believe that's what's worked for us is that you know get get a team that you can work with and everything will just happen around you if you get the, the foundation there in terms of your coaching and your skill. Um, I think a degree is important, 
you know, to skill yourself as much as you can with as much education and just get in your coaching hours. doesn't matter who it is. You know, even if you don't, don't like now I'm in a fortunate enough situation where we've got a, a pretty big uh, client base and I've, and I've built up a lot of um, young, young footballers and athletes that come to see me now that I can afford to pigeonhole myself a little bit more and it's, it's easy for me to select that. But for my first five years, that wasn't the case. And as much as I wanted it to be, um, you can't pick and choose because, you know, people come and go a, a lot in terms of um, people move, people change jobs, people don't want to spend the money. They, they get, you know, you get them right and they're fine. Um, so you've got to understand you need, you've just got to keep keep building up the market, keep keep getting the coaching hours in um, and, and and you become a better coach and you, you, you have the luxury of, of being able to do that later on, later on down the track. You know, it's really interesting because I'm starting to see another pattern emerge. You know, number one, that's advice that I give to our three, four students in the classes is that these guys are just starting out, right? Entering the industry. And it's what it's essentially along the lines of what you say. Like I'm telling them, say yes to everything, pretty much everything, right? Get a diverse amount of experience like it's a portfolio that you want to diversify of different populations of people. You want to work with everybody, you know, free, $10 an hour, $100 an hour. Just like say yes to everything so you can build a wide skill set, number one, and then you can figure out actually later on the line who resonates with you. What do you actually want to do precisely? Um, what types of populations and people resonate with you? And it's the same thing that the guest, my guest on the on yesterday's podcast said as well. And yeah, I just I, I'm starting to see that pattern. Yeah, well, that's and to be honest, you you discover things that you might not have have thought you liked. Yeah. You know, for me, like like I said, I, I came to Pulsate when the boys started with a pure athlete background. Um, was training my philosophies to my athletes in the gym. The boys said, look, would you be interested in doing some strength classes and trying this out? And at that stage, our demographic was 40-year-old mums. You know, that was, well, you know, between that bracket of, you know, 30 to 30, 50, whatever. Your ego, um, your ego could have said, no, I only work with athletes. That's the pedestal yeah. that you want to work with, right? But you didn't. Why? Yeah. Well, because, well, I, I, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll give an opportunity. It could be a cool thing to... Um, the same, you know, I, I like getting people better. I, I like getting the most out of people, like I said, relative to performance um, for sport or just the, the every, everyday function. You know, that's uh, – I, I get a kick out of it. So, you know, I, I trialed it and then it take me a long time to fine-tune things and, and get a really good system going with, with, with what we actually offer for, for our classes. But, um, I'll, you know, I, I was loving it because they were loving it. And that was the thing, you know, I'm getting girls that would, would come up to me and saying, you know, fuck, I've, I've, I've had back pain for the last 10 years. You know, my last trainers have told me um, you, you, you can't, don't lunge because, you know, if, if your knees hurt, it's bad for your knees. Then all of a sudden I, I'm actually getting them to understand that, that, that they can do these things, yeah. you know, and, and, and fixing it. And then, yeah, that's it. And then they're coming to me going, this is, you know, they, they think I'm a magician. I'm going realistically. This is like, <laughs> it's it's not pretty that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty basic, but um, it was awesome. And you know, and that, that was it. I, I still love it to this day. That's what that's what we've built built the base of our um, of our membership base. Like we got of of a hundred. I think we're close to about 190 members now. I think we've got about nearly 90 that that have that are on the S and C membership. 
Um, and I've got close close relationships with with all of them. And it's you know, like like you said, if I had a, if I had a said no, I had to pigeon myself, pigeonhole myself into just doing that. Um, you know, I, I never would have experienced that. And then at the same time, there's shitloads that I've learned from training these guys too that I use for my athletes. You know, and and, and everything bounces off. You're always going to take one thing from one person and, and be able to use it, or or at least understand why one thing works for someone and why it doesn't work for someone else. You know, it's yeah. And then, then you start to, then you can develop systems Then you can develop like, you know, that's how your coaching gets more effective because then you start to notice patterns. But to finish and like round out this conversation, I, I think I'm going to start asking this question like to finish our conversations because where Orphic, like we deliver Cert 3s and 4, well, we deliver the practical classes right now and we have a lot of students that we teach. And I wonder if you, Corey, had the platform to speak to all the PTs who are graduating and the exercise science students as well, coaches who are entering the industry, you got five minutes, a couple minutes. What, what do you tell them? What's your lesson, your message to them? Uh, as my message to them, they want to go out. Um, make, make sure that, make sure that you love, love what you're doing because you're going to be doing it every day for the rest of your life, you know. And that's and if you don't love what you're doing, then you're in the wrong industry, and you need to you need to pick that pick that up and change quick, you know. Because I, like I said, I, I did it for five years. It took me five years to get out of it. I don't regret it, but I went from someone that was dying to get home from work um, every day. I'd wake up would almost be like um, I would feel better to be sick because I could not be getting out of bed and I'd rather stay at home to now I, I don't work a day in my life. Mm. Now, yes, there's times when, like I said, it's there's shit things that you have to deal with as being a business owner and being a boss and stuff that you got to deal with, but I'll go home and program at 8 o'clock at night and I love it because I know that, that my guys and, and girls that I train – are going to become better from it, and that—that's my passion. And I feel if if you don't have that, you, you're in the wrong industry, and it's your life's just going to be hard. It's going to be hard because you're not doing something that you love. You don't want to. Life's too short to work. Essentially, you know, don't don't work to live. Find something that you really really love that you really have a passion in, and then it, it just becomes second nature to you. Every every second thing that I read is 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 got to do with um with, with with strength and conditioning you know or, or, or athlete development and, and or everything that I do revolves around really training you know or, or, or some form of um some form of physical activity so it's that that's it if you, you'll know if it's not for you or if it is and if you don't have that drive if the free hours aren't there and you're like uh you know I, I can't bother I, I, you know I'd rather I'd rather go and work at Safeway while I'm, um while I'm while I'm studying because it's really hard for me and I want to make money, um, you know, rah, rah, then it's, it's not the industry for you. Go, go and if you're the person that's coming in, doing free hours, you're hanging around, you're sending me messages going, hey, coach, um, really interested in how you – why did you teach a sumo to that person and uh, a conventional deadlift to this person? It, you're, you're the right person for the industry. You know, stick, stick with it. For the, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Because I know the thoughts that people gonna have. Some like some people, 
for some people that's going to resonate deeply there's some people's like i just got like some people just like they're going to think well it's not practical for me to do what i love right now or do what i love a lot because what i love doesn't pay my bills it doesn't financially support me right now how do you what do you say to those people who are like get stuck in that mentality of, of the realistic nature of life well if, if you're passionate enough you make it work hmm. you'll make it work you'll find a way and whether that's i mean you know the government's fantastic now in, in providing subsidies for people at, at university different things like i said i was i was out of home when, when i first started when when i first started at woody's i started the internship i was studying hmm. um my only form of income was i was working at a door store for tw twice a week um, on a casual rate, it was like 25 bucks or whatever. I had no money to go out in the weekend, but I didn't care because I was, was doing what I loved and I knew it wasn't forever. That was a thing for me, you know. It's, you know, it's just, it's just short term. And if you knuckle down and, um, and, 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 and you get smart enough quick enough, you get edu educated quick enough, you're going to be able to start coaching. All of a sudden, the people come in, these free sessions that you're doing aren't, aren't free anymore because you're getting more people coming coming through your door, more people wanting you to coach them. All of a sudden, your 20 bucks becomes 40 bucks. Then you got two people that you're coaching at the same time becomes 80. Then all of a sudden, the door store, you don't have to do anymore because you get enough coaching hours, still educating, and then the shit things that you don't like doing start dropping off, and everything else starts coming through. That's it, man. It's, it's, a, it's, not always, it's not often like a light switch. It's often just a gradual build and transition, especially if you can't go all in. You got to work at a door store or any retail, whatever, and you got to make ends meet. But like you said, and I think you're a testament to that, you turned up. You were consistent. You put in more hours, the free hours that you weren't getting paid for. That showed people around you, the environment that you're in, that you were worth something, that you were worth investing in, and then you started getting paid. And you started getting your worth, and slowly, week, week, month, 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 build smarter, smarter, more effective, and now I think it just compounds. That's it. That's it, and I always say, yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel every day, I go, I'm the luckiest person in the world. Because I can do what I do. But I also know I've worked, I've worked very hard to get here, but... At, at the same time, I, I got the best job in the world. But you earned that position, man. You earned that position eating shit at door stores and nutrition <laughs> work you didn't want to do. Oh, uh, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. And that's what, that's, that's probably not, not everyone has to do that. Some people might fortunately, you know, get put into better positions. But yep. that, that's my message for the people that think it's, it's impossible. You know, that think it's too hard, you know, of getting it at base. It's, it's rubbish. You know, you, you, you find a way. And, I, you know, I don't have a house. I don't have a lot of possessions, but I don't, I don't care because I got I got this. I got I got two buildings, and I got I got twelve staff members. I absolutely love um, one hundred and ninety members that um, that I do almost anything for. And then that's you, you find a way to make that happen if you really want to. So it sounds like you're not chasing because I think that that's like that's the that's the modern Australian American Western dream: own a house, have a family, da da da. da. But it sounds like what's more important to you is how you feel inside the culture and community you have and, and, and the business and the services you're providing. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And like I said, it's a, yeah, I, 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 I'm happy every day. I, I love it. That's awesome, man. Corey, thank you for your time, man. It's great, it's great uh, to talk properly like this. You know? Yeah, I know. Good to see you. Next, next time we're, we're running past each other, we'll, we'll stop. <laughs> we'll, go the, we'll go the same direction. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. Cool. Any, 
any last comments, thoughts, or just where people can find you? No, thanks, dude. Um, so I guess so. For those that don't know, the facility Pulsate Center, where um, where everyone will know Oasis Bakery. If if you don't, you don't live in Melbourne. So um, we're in the same block as Oasis down the back. Like I said, I've pretty much explained our group training myself. Um, we'll, we'll get as many athletes, as many people in, in, in the building as we can. Uh, and like I said, you won't find a, a more of a community place. Um, we, we promise we'll look after you. And um, I, ho- I hope I've expressed my, my passions enough to, to in- encourage people to feel feel welcome when they come down here. But, um, yeah, that, that's it. That's it. I hope you've enjoyed the listen. It's been good being here. Thank you, Corey. It's great to talk to you, man. Um, and if you ever need anything personally or like through Orphic, let, let us know. Let me know, man. Thank you, brother. I look forward to, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. Absolutely. It's good. See you, brother. But thanks for your time. See you, bro. Corey Hargrave, ladies and gentlemen. Corey Hargrave. So that we go back a little bit because Corey was originally at Woodford's as a coach about four or five-ish years ago, whatever it was, uh, when I was doing my internship and then when I became a coach. And so watch the people who have been in the industry for five plus years, right? Watch them. Why are they here? What characteristics do they display? Because it's funny, I talked to Lewis uh, Mazza and George yesterday, but I know Lewis from the internship as well. And the just your paths cross again, and we have to wonder why. Why are we still here? Why are those guys, those guys still here in this industry, being effective, successful, owning businesses, making a living? And you hear Corey, man, he's genuinely doing the thing that fulfills him and gives him meaning, like. That's if that ain't making it, I don't know what is. And so, Pulse 8, check it out, guys. Orphic Education, you know what it is. We deliver or provide uh, practical classes for Cert 3 and 4. Go to orphiceducation.com. If you guys want to learn more, if you are interested in becoming a PT or coach, then check us out. We might resonate with you. If you're liking our podcast, then you, you might like and resonate with you know some of our values and what we have to offer. All these podcasts, every week we release them on all podcast platforms, YouTube and Facebook. I'm Alexander Emmanuel Sandalis. You can find me on the internet, just searching that, or my coaching and uh, training journey at Strength of Saad. Otherwise, see you guys next time. Stay well, stay strong, keep moving.